what I wanted to talk about today is really just being uh, a person that moves forward in your life, kind of being a move forward person, let's say. And my experience has been, I know a lot of people, uh, close family members and friends and stuff that over years and years and years, it, it seems like they're just kind of like circling the same mountain over and over again, if you will. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, time has passed by, but in their life, as far as them doing things that God has, you know, purposed for them to do, created them to do, uh, it seems like there's just a lack of progress, a lack of forward movement, sort of just kind of being stuck in the same place for a really delayed period of time. And it's interesting because time is sort of like the great equalizer for all of us. It's something that all of us have the exact same amount of each day. Uh, it isn't biased or have preference over any individual. It just, it passes, right? 60 seconds a minute, 60 minutes an hour, 20 hours a day. Just seeing who's paying attention, 24 hours a day. Some of us wish there was more. Right, but it just it's just going by, it's passing by. I mean, I think about this when I look at my kids, this is a real reality for me and how man, time is just cruising. And you know, many times I, I want to just like pause time and stop time because it's just so good in that moment. But time just kind of keeps on going. And what's important for us as people that are given a purpose for our lives. We're created by God with a purpose, each of us uniquely, to fulfill a destiny here on this side of heaven. And what's important for us is that we are always moving forward, taking steps and strides toward the fulfillment of our destiny and not staying idle or kind of stuck in any place. And I wanted to just talk about some things that, in my opinion, in my experience, are really keys to being a move forward kind of person in your life. I just have like 12 points. They're not, it's not an exhaustive list. It's not to say there's not going to be other things that you could add to this, but just through time and prayer and, and looking at things, these really stand out to me as being keys in my own life and in the lives of people that I have seen that have moved forward where it's really there and it's evident in the lives of people that maybe aren't. It seems that a lot of these things or most of these things would be lacking for them. Okay. So number one is know when to let things go. You have to know when to let things go. Jesus said, he said, let the dead bury the dead, right? And so there's a lot of things, circumstances, situations that come at us that we don't necessarily have control over. But what we do have control over is whether we hold on to them or whether we just let them go. And what you've got to identify is, is there any kind of life or any kind of fruit in those things? Is there a purpose in it from God? And if there's not, then it's kind of like what Jesus is saying here. It's a dead thing. There's no life in it. There's no value in it. There's no purpose assigned by God in that thing. And so it's better off for you to just let those things go. But what a lot of times people do is they kind of just cling on and they hold on to things that are 
unfavorable or uh, they create, they stir up strife in their life or they just cause them agony and pain and, and they think they need to hold on to them. But in reality, they're better off to just let those things go. And the more of that dead stuff, the thing that lacks purpose that we hold on to, ultimately, the more it just kind of weighs us down. It becomes heavy in our lives and therefore it's harder to be a person that's consistently moving forward because it's like you're dragging all of this excess weight around. So you've got to know when to let things go. But just as much as you need to let things know how to let things go, number two is you need to know when and how to lay hold of new things. You need to know when and how to lay hold of new things because as part of walking out your destiny and your purpose in your life, what God does is he brings new seasons and he brings new opportunities and he brings new levels of increase and influence in all the things that we do. And we have to know when to lay hold of those things. And it's almost if you can get a picture, it's like you're kind of reaching out in front of you and grabbing on. It's not like you, it's right here, like you can see everything perfectly and clearly. You have to just kind of be willing to Paul says, I reach ahead, right? I lay hold of what's ahead of me. You've got to kind of reach out there and grab what you believe in faith is, is there for you, that God is speaking to you, so that you can kind of pull it in and step forward in your life into that thing. One of, the, one of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible is in 1 Samuel chapter 14. It's the story of, of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And just quickly to give you this, the Philistines are oppressing uh, Israel, right? And Saul's king and that's Jonathan's father, and he, they're all afraid, they're worried, they don't feel like they're any match for the Philistines, they're outnumbered, and the Philistines are kind of intimidating them, they're laughing at them, and some of the Israelites have already hid in caves, and Jonathan, man, he just has had enough. He's sitting there in the camp one night, and in the evening he goes and he grabs his armor bearer, he says, come, this is, get this, he said, come, let us go see what the Lord might do this day for us. It's interesting, that has been one of the greatest inspirers to me in moving forward in my life, is that he says, come, let us go just see what the Lord might do. He was taking a step forward and moving forward in a massive, what I consider a massive display of faith here, with a great deal of uncertainty about what might be ahead, but he's saying, come, let us just see what the Lord might do this day. And they go up, and him and his armor bearer, they scale the side of this mountain, straight up and the, and the Philistines are looking down they're laughing and they're watching him climb up and when Jonathan and his armor bearer get up there they slaughter 20 Philistines they slaughter 20 Philistines neither of them are harmed it's a miraculous display of God and, and now we see that his faith clearly was, was moving in the, in the right direction. But if he wouldn't have had that mentality that said, let me just take a risk here. Let me just see. I'm tired of standing still. I'm tired of sitting here under the thumb of the enemy. I'm, let's just go see what God doesn't do because I believe that God wants us to move forward somehow, some way. Let's just step out there and see what happens. And that initiation of faith, being willing to take some risk, understanding that we're never going to have a full clarity about every last little detail and if we are waiting for the picture to look perfect in all the circumstances to make complete sense i promise you you're never going to take steps forward in your life not into big and great things that are worthwhile and purposeful right and he shows us that in the way he's willing to lay hold of something and the bible also says that when they got up there and they slaughtered those 20 philistines that it was a half of an acre of land that they slaughtered them in and I thought about that for a while. I'm like, why is that, you know, when the Bible says something, it's important. I'm thinking, why is that important? Half an acre. It's not a big track of land. And God spoke to me very clearly. He said, sometimes 
you're going to have to fight with everything you've got to take that first half an acre. But did you know after they killed those 20 Philistines that they fleed and they ran and Israel moved forward and they took over a whole new area of land and territory. And God said, sometimes you're going to have to fight with everything you've got to take that first half of an acre. But when you do and your faith is there and you take risks and you step out, all of a sudden acres and acres begin to open up and you begin to spread out into new territory that I'm opening up for you. Whew, that's good. Can you feel that, man? And so God's saying, look, you're going to step out and take some risk. Have faith and know that even if you don't understand all the details, you know I'm with you. You know I'm going to protect you and take care of you. And so you should be moving forward in faith, seeking the great things that God has for you all the time, being willing to take risks. Number three, be a person that takes responsibility for your actions. We got to have a no excuses mentality. I mean, there's too many things that are adverse situations or things that come up, even that we mess up and make mistakes about, that I promise you every single thing you could make a list of excuses about. But in order to really move forward, we've got to just say there's... There's really no fruit in making excuses and reasons why things aren't happening. We've got to just kind of be willing to take responsibility for where we're at, what's going on in our life. We have free will, we have choices, and we have our faith and say, you know what? I, I am not going to point the finger at other things or other people or other circumstances for why I am where I am or what's going on. I'm just going to understand that my faith, me and God, I'm going to take responsibility for where I'm at. And I'm going to move forward in a new direction, and I'm not going to get stuck here. Number four is we have to be above petty, trivial things. This is really, really big. The enemy, he uses a lot of things in our lives to kind of weigh us down and, and keep us from going forward. And I, I, Things like gossip and just insults and offenses and just petty stuff are one of his greatest weapons to bog people down. And you know, Paul said to Timothy, he said, you need to avoid idle and profane babblings. Idle meaning they're just, it's just coming out, it's just, it's just flat, there's nothing in it, there's no real fruit in it, there's no value in it for your life, it's not edifying, but there's a, there's a multitude of that kind of stuff that's happening around us. It's, it's like a smoke screen, right? It, just, it wants us to kind of get caught up in it, and then it's like a haze that we just have a hard time seeing through. And we've got to just say, listen... That stuff's going to happen. We're going to have to deal with things. I'm not saying you avoid difficult situations, okay? But I'm saying that you've got to kind of be above that kind of stuff. Somebody says something that's insulting or, you know, there may be an offense or there's gossip going, or going on around you about things that, you, you know, you're tempted to kind of get engaged in or be a part of. All that stuff does is occupy valuable, God-ordained time that should be had, assigned with purpose, with things that are just useless, trivial, and have no edification in your life in the sense that they don't build you up, they don't build your endeavors up, and they don't build the people around you up. In a lot of ways, they actually pull things down. We've got to be above petty and trivial things. Number five is work hard, but work smart. Work hard, but work smart. One of my favorite uh, scriptures, Proverbs 10, 4, says that he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. 
I am all about being a hard worker. I, laziness has just never been, my family tree has not been marked by that. I've watched people even to a fault in my family work extremely hard. And so I believe in that principle and I believe in that concept. The Bible tells us that if we're lazy, that, you know, nothing but uh, difficult things and, and lack of things are what we're going to experience. But when we talk about working diligently, it doesn't just mean to work hard with a lot of effort. It also means to employ wisdom, right? How many of us have done things and worked like really, really hard and then only to find out that you just spent hours in doing something and it really got you nowhere, right? So just the idea of just activity is not what we're talking about. It's not what the Bible is talking about when it says you're to be a hard worker. It means you work and you exert yourself toward the things that you believe God is, is calling you to and aiming you in the direction of, but you also seek that level of supernatural wisdom and understanding. The Bible says that God gives wisdom liberally to those that ask, right? So we seek the wisdom in the things that we're doing so that we're not just working hard, but we're working smart, that we're making sure the effort and the time and the energy and the resources that God has given us are being stewarded properly to yield the greatest results that we possibly can. It's not to say you're going to be perfect in this. It's just to say this is what we're seeking is a level of wisdom to work smart, not just work hard in our time and in our effort. Number six is confront uncomfortable issues quickly. Confront uncomfortable issues quickly. We're all human, and so unless you're just a rare bird here, the chances are you have an aversion to confronting difficult situations. Almost every person does. It's not like we're, we just can't wait to jump into a conflict. But, <laughs> and you don't just run in carelessly into a conflict. I mean, you need to make sure that your emotions have settled a little bit. You know, a lot of times our emotions flare up right after something has occurred. And we've got to be wise about this. We've got to understand that our emotions can dilute our judgment and, and our decision making and how we would handle things. A lot of times once you calm down, you have a little bit more effective course of action that you're going to take. So we, we don't want to just rush into things too carelessly, but at the same time, we cannot treat difficult situations with an avoidance kind of behavior. We've got to be willing and ready to just confront difficult situations, deal with them, and move on. And I'll bet you, you can relate to this. Anytime you've done that, where it's like you're dreading that conversation or that situation, when you're done and it's over, even if it didn't go perfect, you walk away feeling like, Refresh, right? They're like there's a weight off your shoulders. Like, man, you're ready to move forward again. You're moving faster because you're almost like lighter on your feet now that you've got that thing off of you. And when you don't deal with that and it's just kind of hovering around, ultimately what happens is it, it, it wastes so much of our thought and energy time. It could be devoted to other things because we're just, it's when you know you got to do something and you're avoiding it, how many times a day does it just pop back up in your head? It just keeps coming at you because in your, in your heart, you kind of know this thing needs to be dealt with. You're not okay with it just staying the way it is, but you've got to make some tough decisions to step out and, and know that God is with you and he's going to give you wisdom in the times that you need it to go deal with those things. And a lot of times people avoid things because like, man, I just don't know what I'm going to say. I just don't know how to do it. You know, I know how I'm feeling, but I don't know necessarily what to say. Listen, 
Jesus told the disciples, he said, when you go in front of kings and you go in front of rulers and you're persecuted, don't worry about what you're going to say ahead of time. Don't think about or worry about what you're going to say before you get there because the Holy Spirit will reveal to you in that time and in that hour what it is that you ought to say. So we do need to prepare. We do need to obviously meditate and pray about what we're going to do or how we're going to handle it. But just like other things, there's going to be a degree of uncertainty that we can't prepare for that when we get in the moment, we won't be able to have rehearsed it in our minds, in our heart. And so we need to trust that God is still there with us at that very moment and that he'll be guiding us and speaking to us and giving us the things that we ought to say and how we ought to handle them. Number seven, build quality relationships continuously. Man, having strong, godly people around you in your life is one of the greatest accelerators towards your purpose and your destiny than anything that I have seen. It's one of the greatest. God said, you know, in Proverbs 27, 17, he said, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's clear. God is not ambiguous about this. He's putting, he wants to put relationships in our lives that will strengthen us and that will help us more effectively become the people that he's calling us to be through the input that they have in our lives, through the value that they add to our lives, through the way that they enrich our lives. And so what we have to do is we have to control the quality and the value of the relationships that we build and that we pour ourselves into. Many times we're, we find ourselves pouring into relationships that are not the kind of relationships that are going to help us and make us better. And listen, you, you got to understand the difference between we're called to make an impact in the world, we're called to be involved in, in people's lives that are lost, that are not seeking and following God, and that's always a part of our mission. But it's a little different whenever you look at that close core group of relationships, the ones that are really most affecting you in your life. You've got to guard that area of proximity very, very closely. You've got to really determine the kind of people and the value of relationships that you allow to be very, very close in in your life. And if you're in question about this, my best advice is pray about it. Seek God because he'll give you clarity about it. He's not wanting to continue to let relationships that are going to bog you down and weigh you down in the things that he has you to do. He's not going to allow those things to just continue to be there or you not to see that they're unfruitful for you if you're seeking him and looking for him to give you direction on that. Right, But we've got to guard that area closely in the kind of relationships that we invest in and that we pour time into in our lives. Number eight, don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of failure. A lot of times we think that, okay, I'm, I'm going to get going, but I'm afraid that I'm going to get off course. Or I'm, 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 I'm okay, I'm going to get started, I'm going to move in a direction. But I'm, I'm kind of worried that somewhere along the line I'm going to mess up or I'm going to, here's a good one, I hear this sometimes, I'm going to miss God. I'm going to miss God, right? And listen, that's a great concern. That's a valid point. My heart is appealed to when people say that. But I have found that if you are genuinely seeking God, genuinely devoted to his will above anything else, that when you move in a direction and you move out for him, that if you do take a step to the left or to the right, 
and it's a little bit off the mark, and all the time you're still seeking God, he will bring that to awareness for you. He will kind of bring you almost like the guardrails in your life, right? If you start to, you may be driving down the highway, you know those really annoying brrrr when you go off in the lane. Katie loves to do that to me when I'm kind of like dozing off or something. She'll just drift over on the shoulder and oh, you think you're running off the road. Nobody else do that? Just my wife to me. Okay, so she, you know, like you jump up, you think you're like slamming into something. God and the Holy Spirit are much like that in our lives. If we know we're seeking him and his will is always the highest priority for us, if we're moving out in things, there's a really good chance we are going to make a mistake here or make a mistake there or misjudge something. But, but in the process of seeking God the whole time, he kind of keeps bringing you back in the lane. You know, I love Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Chuck, here's your Isaiah scripture, right? You were saying you wanted to hear this today. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. As long as my heart and my mind are aimed on God, seeking him, I feel comfortable and I feel confident and bold in running ahead and moving forward into things that I believe God is calling me to, knowing that if I get off course a little bit this way or a little bit that way, I'd rather have him kind of bump me back in the direction than to stay back and worry too much the whole time about, well, I could, I could move off this way or I could get off track this way. There's just too much risk and, and fear of failure here that I'm just not even going to move into that. Because again, that will always be a degree of uncertainty that will be there. And if we make a decision on the absence of that, we will never eventually move forward in those things. Number nine is do not get hung up on timing. Do not get hung up on timing. I learned a long time ago that, and, and people do this, we judge progress a lot of times differently than the way God sees it. God is more interested in what's happening beneath the surface and our spirit man and the preparation for eternal purposes. He's more interested in that than he is in the external, which is a lot of times how we measure progress or accomplishment in our lives. The bank account is growing or the promotion is there at the job or, you know, the business is taking off and the church is at 100 people, whatever it is. A lot of times we tend to measure progress by things externally when God is first looking at what's happening in us and beneath the surface. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. In its time means that there is a development that God has signed, a maturity process of time that God is allowing things to go through the course of so that they reach their fulfillment. And when they do, they are beautiful in their time. But out of time, and this is important, prematurely or too late out of season, they are, it's not the way that the Bible is talking about here. So when we're moving along, we've got to understand that sometimes there's things happening in us, in our spirit. We're getting stronger. We're building in our faith. Things that are developing in us 
that we don't necessarily tend to look at and measure progress by, but that God is very much concerned with, and he will value that more than the level your bank account is at or how many people your business has helped in that year, right? He wants to make sure that you are healthy in your spirit and that you are growing strong in the purposes that he has for you so that he can build a level of maturity for you and for the things in your life. So when they do come to pass, when they do fully get birth, that they're perfect and they're beautiful and they are in their season. Number 10 is be focused on your personal growth. Be focused on your, the, your own personal walk with God, your own personal uh, growth of faith that, you're, that, you're, that he's leading you in. You've, you've got to be concerned about, you know, there, when you fly in an airplane, they give you that little lesson ahead of time where the masks are going to drop out if, if anything happens. And what do they tell you to do? The first thing they tell you to do is put the mask on who? Yourself. Don't try to put the mask on somebody else. Don't try to, because you're of no value to anyone else if you're not healthy and strong. They need you to be able to, to take care of yourself first, put that mask on, and now you can effectively help someone else. Imagine if the mask fell and everybody was trying to put the mask on someone else and nobody had a mask on. It would be chaos, right? And, and so, of course, this doesn't contradict that we serve others and that we put other people first above ourselves in our lives. It just means that we've got to understand that our pursuit of God, our walking with Him, praying, reading the scriptures and building our faith to strengthen ourselves as part of what is our responsibility to do. No one else is doing that for us directly. And so we have to take up the responsibility of continuing to move and grow strong so that we can be more effective in the things that we're going to be doing for other people and that God is calling us to. Number 11 is don't spread yourself out beyond what you can reasonably devote yourself to. And this is something that a lot of us do. I know I'm guilty of this one, where you just kind of like, you see something that looks good, looks worthwhile, looks like a noble thing, and you just, your heart is you just want to do it. You just want to add that to the plate, add that to the agenda, stick another iron in the fire, right? Let's just keep them all going. And all of us have a degree of fluctuation in, in how much we can really allow in and handle at any given time in our lives. In business, there is a concept that's known as the law of diminishing returns. And what that means is, let's say we're in a factory and we add some more equipment and some more personnel, we're going to be able to produce more goods. And then we say we're going to make more goods, and so we add some more personnel. We add some more equipment and some better stuff, and now we can produce even more than we were producing before. But at some point in that factory, you're going to add too much equipment and you're going to add too, many per, too much personnel and then people are going to start bumping into each other. And then it's going to start to become unproductive. There's a tipping scale there, right? And ultimately, that's where the law of diminishing returns comes in is when you cross over that, you actually start to become less productive the more things that you have going on. And so what we have to understand is that we are meant to bear fruit in our lives, and there's always going to be more things that look worthwhile out there. I'm talking about noble things than what we can really devote ourselves to, and God isn't calling us to do all that. That's why Peter said, make your calling and election sure. He said, you need to know what you're called to do and how you're called to do it. 
not necessarily what everybody else is called to do. Right. And as, as we're called to bear fruit in our lives, we've got to remember that a, a, a healthy bush or plant that's bearing fruit bears the most fruit whenever it's pruned properly. Right. They cut back a lot of the branches because they absorb nutrients that the plant is giving that don't necessarily go towards the production of fruit. So that you trim the plant up and you keep it pruned and you have just the right amount of healthy branches. And then the most amount of fruit is actually birthed out of that plant. You've got to look at your life much the same way, that we are called to do things that are, are obviously part of what God is leading us into. But there are things that will look attractive and look healthy and good that God isn't necessarily leading us to. Maybe it's not in our gifting or maybe it's just not the right time. Maybe someone he's preparing that place for someone else. But we've got to understand that if we take on too much and we had too many things to our plate, and there's things that we're called to and things that maybe we weren't called to, that ultimately it's going to be counterproductive and it's going to affect our ability to move forward swiftly and at the divine pace and rhythm that God is wanting to lead us in. We have to understand that we there will always be more things that are out there than we can reasonably devote and invest ourselves to. Now that said, keep in mind that you may seem... Like you've taken on a lot and that is all part of what God's plan is. There will be a supernatural empowerment and a supernatural grace for that. This is how I thought whenever I found out we were having a sixth kid, right? It's like, oh my gosh, we're pregnant again. And But whenever you're called to that, whenever God's plan is for that, it looks like it may be too much. But there's a grace and there's an empowerment for you to walk in that, right? So you got to understand kind of the lines between the two. And then number 12, the last one is focus on pleasing God, not on pleasing people. Never a lack of opinions around us. Never a lack of people that have something to say. And we know we need wise counsel. We've already talked about that. But at the end of everything we do, we've really got to be concerned with pleasing God alone. And knowing that if we're pleasing him and we're doing what's right before him and in his eyes, that ultimately the opinions of others will only confirm that. And if they're against that, then it shouldn't throw us off track. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. God showed me something really clearly that day, one day when I was reading this. He showed me that when you try to please man, when you try to make others, uh, you know, your, your ultimate goal is to make them think well of you. And you sort of take your eyes off of God. You're kind of your heart's departing from him. And then you're stepping into a place where you don't want to be. God's not going to bless, be able to bless that, right? Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. We've got to let what we do be driven out of a heart to please God, to serve him, to live for him. And at the end of that, I know that if I'm pleasing God and I'm doing what's right before him, all of the other things just fall right in line. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm favorable to my wife and to my children or to the people around me that I'm leading. It's like all of a sudden those things are better and stronger and they just confirm what I already believe to be true, which is I'm walking and doing what God has called me to do the way that he's called me to do that. And on the other side of that, if I know that when things come at me that conflict with that, 
then I don't embrace it and it doesn't cause me to lose traction and forward progress in what I'm doing. Because opinions, especially ones that are counterproductive, they just hang on you again like weight and weigh you down. You get too much of that that's driving your behavior, trying to please this, that, this, and that. All of a sudden, you're just like spinning out of control and you're not moving forward in a consistent direction. And people that love us will we'll sometimes have things to say that may, may disagree or conflict with what we know to be the case that we need to be doing in order to please and serve God, right? Peter, when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he do? He tried to stop what was happening. He cut off the guy's ear that was attacking Jesus to take him. And Jesus put his ear back on and said, no, you know, this is, this is my mission. This is what I'm here for. And, and Peter, he was... Thinking right, he was trying to protect Jesus, but Jesus understood that there was a greater purpose and he was very in tune with the Father and what God was leading him to do. And he wasn't concerned with the opinions of, the, of man around him and he let that, that voice of God be the ultimate governing voice in the direction that he went.